Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but I already have an early vote for 24-7 Sports Recruiter of the Year for the 2024 class. I don't know if the man already has a Jumpman polo or not. I don't know if he has a pair of Jordans he can wear on the road. Someone get both of those things to Gerald McCoy because he's ready to recruit for OU and land a five-star defensive lineman. You see what he's been tweeting out today? Uh, Yeah. Who hasn't seen those tweets? Recruiter of the Year. Early on. That's just... That's my prediction. In case you missed it, Gerald McCoy, about an hour ago, he's going off right now. Man, oh, you need to let me just go with BV to recruit only. I don't want to coach. I need a recruiting job. They don't know how to spit game. Just use me when you're going to get your top guys. Step back, BV. I got this. Me recruiting. And he has the uh, the gif of uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And then he says, uh, shoot, you don't even have to pay me. I'll get my own flight. Just give me date and time. I'll get him to Norman. We all know who he's talking about. Oh, we Five-star all know who he's talking about. Five-star defensive lineman David Stone. Let him go, man. Just send him a polo. Send him some Jordans. Maybe some khakis. I don't know. Maybe he has all of that, but he don't even have to pay him. Just let him go get the five-star. I, I can't wait to... Let GK loose. I can't wait to navigate to OUinsider.com after the show gets over and read all the inevitable message board threads, people hand-wringing, going, does BV really not know how to spit game? <laughs> <laughs> I I would also imagine it in that voice as well. <laughs> Seriously. But that's cool, man. Like, Gerald, he's trying to do his part, and... You know, some have been freaking out a little bit about David Stone in Michigan State. Well, okay, well, judging by his Twitter feed, there's some serious interest in Michigan State. Like, I wouldn't get too caught up in that right now. But Michigan State, you know, OU has something that they don't. They've got a former All-American and a former first-round draft pick, like, doing everything in his power to recruit this kid. OU's in good hands in this recruitment. They got a guy that can spit game, according to GK, talking about himself. And honestly, look, using legends is something that OU has done in the past in their recruiting efforts. Trent Williams uh, has helped out recruiting in the past. Adrian Peterson has made cameos at some of the Champion barbecue events, uh, as has Baker Mayfield, to my recollection. So by by simple virtue of the fact that Gerald McCoy is a Sooner, he's going to help you out with the recruiting process. But, hey – the dude's, try- the dude's battering down the door trying to get a job with the recruiting department. Let's make it happen Yeah, here. no kidding. You don't even have to pay him. You don't. Here's what he just said. You don't even have to pay the man. He will get his own flights. He will sit economy in uh, United Airlines, fly out to the state of Florida to IMG and go recruit. Maybe he'll take, um, maybe he'll even take Spirit Airlines. I don't know. Maybe he'll find a cheap the way flying to get out. Allegiant. He'll fly at Allegiant, you know? Oh, gosh, fly never there fly and, Allegiant. Fly there and back, and uh, he'll figure it out. So just just let him loose, man. Let GK loose. Don't even have to pay the man. But, no, it, it is really cool to see. I mean, he's a legend around here. He's about to be see, the most credentialed recruiting intern in the Power Five. Yeah, seriously. Like, to see a guy, like, of that, you know, like that legend status, like going after this kid. I, I think you know, what it does too, Parker, is, you know, just the average everyday fan sees something like this. And I think it adds to, you know, how important it is to get a guy like David Stone in this class. Like, it, it's a good thing that you have Gerald McCoy going after this kid. I also think it adds a little bit more pressure to actually land him come signing day, though.
which is not a bad thing. There was always going to be pressure. But if Gerald McCoy's out there saying things like this, like, yeah, they, they need to go get this kid. Yeah, at this point, if you don't if you don't land David Stone, this fan base will, A, burn down the Switzer Center, and, B, fill the Air Comfort Solutions text line with plenty of doom and gloom text about how, oh, you will never again land an elite defensive Oh, lineman. I've seen the Todd Bates slander on social media. I've been seeing it. Are you referring to that at all? Yes. It's been going on in the past 24 hours? Yes. And again, all the same idiots that are having this conversation about Todd Bates as a recruiter after one year on staff at Oklahoma are probably all the same idiots that were ready to write off to Marco Murray after he didn't land Kamar Wheaton or anybody else. His first recruiting cycle as Oklahoma's running backs coach. Uh, spoiler alert, DeMarco turned out to be a pretty decent recruiter. Yes, he did. Once he had a couple years to just let everything settle. Yeah, he's he's just fine. All the olds don't know what spit and game is, LOL. That's on the text line from the 580. Spit and game, well, you just have it or you don't have it, Parker. That's essentially, I, I guess, the way to say it. Gerald McCoy, I'm sure he knows how to spit game on the recruiting trail. Yeah, great I think he point. already has. Great point by Chapstick. He said he can't do what he's doing now if he's an official part of OU recruiting, and coaches can't even comment on any recruit to him. I wonder if GK knows all the recruiting restrictions. Well, he's been through it before. He's a former five-star prospect. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't even think about that angle. But you're right, Chapstick. Don't hire Gerald McCoy. Just let him freewheel. Let him go out on his own. He can recruit all by himself. Listen, you got the dynamic tag team of Gerald McCoy and Ronnie Crimson on the David Stone case. At this point, just lock that dude down, then unleash them on the next big-time prospect on the wish list. Does uh, Ronnie Crimson have his pilot license? Like, Ronnie can fly Gerald McCoy out to the state of Florida for every single one of David Stone's high school football games next year. It's a perfect, it's a perfect duo to, to get it done, to make it happen. Which, by the way, I still think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about OU's chances with David Stone. Yeah, there are Five plenty of reasons. Linemen. There are plenty of reasons. And also plenty of reasons to believe that the Michigan State hype is going to have an expiration date. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, well, uh, they're, uh, they're a uh, five- or six-win season away from that probably being the case. Well, however, per a listener just now from the 405 on the text line, there is a 0% chance mm. David Stone signs with OU. Well, you don't believe so. in uh, Gerald McCoy's ability to spit game, I guess. Shame on you. I wouldn't doubt GK's ability, but it sounds like you are. This text, so Gerald McCoy is replacing Ted Roof then? <laughs> Oklahoma defensive oh coordinator gosh. Gerald McCoy. Uh, all right. You inf- you forgot to include Hall of Famer. Yes, that's from Wade in OKC. 405-651-3439. Keep those texts coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It is Groundhog Day. Did anyone check, like, is there a recruiting groundhog that we need to check in on? If he sees its shadow, it's like six more weeks of no commits for the 2024 class. If he, if he steps out and he sees a crystal ball instead, Parker, instead of a shadow, maybe that means we have a t- maybe that means Michael Hawkins is going to commit here in the next six weeks. Maybe that means Nigel Smith, come on down. Wouldn't that be nice? And look, I think it'll be a quiet month of February if for no other reason than the fact that February is a dead period. So probably going to be a bit of a lighter month in terms of actual tangible happenings on the recruiting front. So we may be 
We may be waiting until March. So the recruiting groundhog, did. he saw the shadow today. I'm going to say the recruiting groundhog did see his shadow. Well, I, what, what's what's the actual groundhog? If he sees its shadow and he like runs back in, then it's six more weeks of winter. Is that is that yes. how it goes? Okay. Yes. That's how it goes. Saw the crystal ball and then ran back Which in. Which is such a weird tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that originate and why do we still do it? No idea. But I saw Damon Lane today say that uh, Phil, I guess Phil is his name. Yes, Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. Phil has uh, spoken six more weeks of winter is on the way. Dang it. Which, judging by the past week, that's not that big of a shock, right? Yeah, it's been brutal. Mm-hmm. Brutally cold. I woke up this morning, and it, it, it had, like, rained overnight, but all the rain droplets were individually frozen to my windshield. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done with winter. I'm done with winter as well. I've got beef with the groundhog. Um, By the way, J.R. Sandlin did tweet out 19 hours ago, OU recruiting, rocket ship, moon, stock up emoji, best class in OU history. Best class in OU history. Back-to-back top 10 classes in the 24-7 composite rankings. Highest finish for Oklahoma in the rankings era. Is that the 24-7 rankings era? Is that just the online recruiting rankings ever have? Like, we, we thought it was going to be the highest-ranked recruiting class of the modern era for OU. At least we thought it had a chance. According to J.R. Salen, that is the case. Like, th- this will go down as OU's highest-ranked recruiting class for 24-7 or just, just ever, overall? It is OU's highest-rated recruiting class of the modern era. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Period. 24-7 or elsewhere. Or, I think Rivals goes back to 2000, 2002, so OU's never had a class as high as the number four class. Like, that's that's how good this class is, in case you needed uh, any more reasons as to why this is an A-plus class. And as, par, or as Travis and I were talking yesterday, he's like, you know, you'll cite some of the players that you missed as a reason why it's not an A or an A-plus. But if you can, like, Parker, if you can name off every single player – that you missed like one it's a pretty short list but I think that that proves just how good the class was uh-huh. and how many few misses you had if you could virtually name every single miss that you had in this recruiting class okay DJ Hicks Cecilia Kana Jordan Renaud Colton Vosick and that's it and uh yeah I mean wide, wide receiver right um Anthony Evans oh, Anthony Evans so flipped, yeah yeah there you go I guess there's that Okay. And maybe there's like one or two others that we're missing, but if, if the list of, is that short, a lot of people are going to say Edric Hill. They should have offered Edric Hill earlier. There's that whole line of thinking. But at the time, they couldn't have foreseen the bizarre turn to the Hicks saga at the very end. So, yeah, when you consider that Oklahoma ended up with the number four class, their highest rated class of the modern recruiting era, and it still could have been. I would say substantially better in a perfect world. A, that has you really encouraged about the future once OU figures out in the NIL era which strings they have to pull to close on some of these guys that are more NIL-driven, or if they even want to continue pursuing some of those guys that are NIL-driven. But also people need to understand that we don't live in a perfect world. Yeah, Every single school, save for Alabama is going to miss on kids that they want every single year. And even Alabama isn't going to get everybody that they want. Guess what? Alabama really wanted Macari Vickers. Oklahoma got that guy. Every single school in every single recruiting cycle is going to miss on some dudes. 100%. It happens. Yeah. And you have to be okay with it. Uh, Hot take. 
you know, we're talking about OU having the highest ranked class um, in like the recruiting's era. I, I don't think that this is just a one year thing for this staff. I don't think that you're going to have the number four class and then the next two classes are ranked 10 and then 12. I, I think that you're going to continue to see some of the highest ranked classes that you've seen over the past 20 years. Why? Because of the balance that they're going to be able to recruit to on both sides of the ball. Like, looking back at it now, I, I don't think that Muleshoe was ever going to have a top four or top three class here. Why? Well, he was going to recruit at an elite level on the offensive side of the ball. But to have a top three or top four class, Parker, like you've got to have balance. You've got to have legitimate players on both sides. And I don't think the previous head coach was going to accomplish that. I think this staff is going to. So you're going to continue to recruit on the high end of offensive talent like you were this year. But when you match it with guys like P.J. Atabare and, 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 and the other guys you got defensively, like Peyton Bowen, like that's when you start to see top five classes on the red. Exactly. And one thing that this staff is going to continue to do is cultivate and discover their identity as a program that they can recruit around. And I think I'm really encouraged by the fact that early in the 2024 cycle, the guys that they're pressing for are guys out of DFW, guys out of Kansas City. In a couple of cases, local guys from the state of Oklahoma. And if you can lock down, I would say, the major hot spots within a three to 400-mile radius, that's going to be enough most years to secure you a top 10 class. And then if you can go out of state and you can go down to the southeast to places like Georgia and Florida and add a couple more top 100 kids here and there, then that's going to push you into top five contention every single year. Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. We'll get to your text in a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the ref for the home of Sooner fans. Ref Army tuned in today. Winnipeg, Canada is tuned in. Portland, Oregon is tuned in. Las Cruces, New Mexico, Midland, Texas, Culpeper, Virginia, and our small Oklahoma town of the day, Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. Is it still a uh, mess driving down south to the state of Texas around the Paul's Valley area, or have they uh, gotten the construction under control? Look, it's always going to be a mess somewhere along the way. It's been that way for literally 10 years. It varies year to year, season to season. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's never been a completely smooth drive. Down. N nowadays, it's uh, it's Davis. Yes. You get to Davis, there's yeah. construction. Uh, past Arbuckle Mountain Fried Pies is where you start to hit the uh, the lanes narrowing. You see all the cones. You're like, oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah, really for over the past two years. Like, you're right. It's always been bad. Everyone that's, you know. Drove south uh, OU Texas weekend knows about that drive, especially when you get to Denton. But the past two years, woo, it's been uh, it's been rough going uh, down south on I thirty five. It's 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 really been rough. So real quick before we get to the text line, I think people understand that this roster and this team is going to look different next year. But are we fully aware just how different this team is going to look next year? So, Chris, uh, I think it's Vanini is how you spell, say his last name. The NCAA removed the signing limit cap this year and next year, and that's led to some huge recruiting classes. Here's the most recruiting additions, including uh, transfer players, Parker. Arizona State has the most with 46. They'll have well, 46 they need new players. They'll need it. 
Colorado needs it as well. They have 43. Nebraska, same case with 40. Oregon at 39, and then there's Oklahoma at 38. Oklahoma has 38 new players into the program when you count um, incoming freshmen and portal players. That's on scholarship. I and believe. that, folks, is called flipping a roster. I mean, that's like almost half of your scholarships. Well, it was 37 last year, wasn't it? 37 new guys? Uh, yeah, that might go. be right. That might be right. But you have flipped this roster, man. Yep. After uh, year one. Yep. And obviously they needed a talent upgrade, and I think that they – Definitely did, especially on the defensive side. But this roster is not going to look like last year. They they made that a they made that a key point to flip the roster. And there are very few holdovers from the Mule Shoe era at this point. And the guys that stuck around were some of the rare evals that Mule Shoe and company made uh, that could play at the non-skill positions. Obviously, Mule Shoe was pretty good at evaluating for those spots. But you think about guys like Woody Washington, Billy Bowman. Ethan Downs. Those are the guys that have stuck it out. But for the most part, the vast majority of these guys are new. And I I, I understand that everybody is a little bit apprehensive coming off the 6th and 7th season, and they're going to be folks that wonder, well, if you got 38 more new guys this year, is it just going to be same old, same old in year two? And I think the difference is that when you look at this class, and I mentioned it last hour, especially on the defensive side, there are freshmen – that are capable of coming in and playing and playing very well immediately. And the top four signees on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, I mean, we're talking about really good, really high-ceiling football players in P.J. Atabare, Peyton Bowen, Makari Vickers, and Samuel Masigo. I can foresee all of those guys playing a substantial role for Oklahoma defensively. And when you think about a program like Alabama, uh, what is what is one thing that Alabama always has year to year? They always have true freshmen yeah. that are stepping in and contributing and making big-time plays. I remember Amari basis. Cooper is a true freshman. Julio Jones is a true freshman. It's, I mean, all over the field, you're right. But it always, when they have questions at wide receiver, you're always hearing about a true freshman they have. Jerry Judy early on in his career. They've got they, they've got young kids that are ready to play right and it, away. It could be any position. Brock Bowers is a true freshman, helped key Georgia's national title run. It's accurate. TBOW will never have a top five class unless he signs every five-star offensive player in the class, says a texture in the 512. And that's kind of the point that I was trying to make, and especially now in the state of California where there's just not elite defensive players littered everywhere like there are in the southeast. I, I think even at a job like USC, he's going to have a difficult time being, in a, being a top five class because he's not going to have the balance on both sides of the ball that you need to be a top five class. Because go look at the top five classes that you had this year. Yes, everyone for the most part is going to have elite offensive talent and probably are four or five star quarterback in there. But the difference is who gets the elite D linemen, the backers, the secondary players. Correct. Because wide receivers are a dime a dozen these days. Uh, a lot of guys can throw the ball. Obviously, there aren't a lot of guys like Jackson Arnold, but finding a half-decent quarterback isn't that difficult these days for most programs. But not every program can recruit the defensive line and the secondary in particular, and linebackers in general are just becoming harder and harder and harder to find, at least the really good, really impactful ones. Peyton, was he good at evaluating skill positions? The three five-stars never did anything. Cody Jackson was a big deal, and he just signed to, like, Tarleton State or something like that. Darby and West never did anything. Kennedy Brooks was the only running back who did anything under LR that he recruited. Way less dudes than I thought when you look back. Okay, well, I 
I don't want to quite go full revisionist history there, Peyton, because here's the thing about you got to understand the nuance to some of those individual situations. Cody Jackson had an illness that he battled his freshman year that I think caused him to lose like 30 or 40 pounds. I mean, it was severe. It was bad. And it sidelined him for several weeks. Cody Jackson was a guy that, as you recall, was seeing the field for Oklahoma as a true freshman early on. That dude was destined for stardom, and the illness, I think it was COVID-related, kind of sidetracked him, and he was just never the same after that. So I don't think that was a missed eval. Brian Darby had some really nice moments. Trayvon West had some really nice moments. They were just buried on the depth chart behind guys that were more talented. Trajan Bridges, I have it on very good authority that if Trajan Bridges had been able to stay out of trouble off the field, that dude would have had a couple of really, really good years at the University of Oklahoma. There was a thought that he was the most talented wide receiver on that entire roster, and that included Marvin Mims. And then Hazelwood and Weiss, those two guys did stuff. Let's not act like they didn't. Uh, what was last year's football recruiting ranking? Asked a texter in the 918. I just looked on 24-7. It was eight. Someone else asking, what was Brent's recruiting class ranked his first year at Clemson? Number 20. <laughs> that, 2012. 2012, I looked at the 2012 recruiting rankings, which I guess would be his first His first season was 2012. Do yeah. I need to look at 2013 recruiting rankings? Regardless, like, even when Clemson was winning national, champions, uh, national championships, they weren't recruiting in the top five on a regular basis. Clemson just did a great job of evaluating, uh, getting talent in, and, you know, they, 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 they really made the most of what they have. Well, and I know there are going to be those that complain about how Taylor Heim is not the sexiest addition to Oklahoma's class and how, well, if we wanted to take a guy as just a, an athlete and figure out a spot for him, why didn't they do that with Malachi Coleman? What you need to understand is that where Brent Venables made his hay at Clemson and what helped set that program apart was, and Venables has talked about this, they'd identify late risers, They'd identify guys that really popped on senior film, guys that maybe flew under the radar a little bit. They'd go sign them. They'd develop them. And then three to four years down the road, they'd be cornerstones for a championship-level defense. I'm not saying that's what Taylor Heim becomes. I'm just saying players of Taylor Heim's ilk are what Brent Venables has built a championship DNA with before. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time we had a top five class as a texture of the 405? Heavy D especially. Take a seat, everyone, and wait for the results. 405-651-3439. Keep it coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Looks like Nick Saban finally found his offensive coordinator. Air Saban apparently landed in South Bend earlier this afternoon. He's going to go get Tommy Reese as his offensive coordinator. So we, do we think that's happening? Uh, he's the heavy front runner. Now, I, I, I can't say for certainty. Would it be hilarious if even Tommy Reese says, yeah, I'm good, I'm going to stay at Notre Dame? Yeah, absolutely, that would be hilarious. It would be great if, if in two weeks Saban's still trying to find his next OC. It would be similarly hilarious, though, if Tommy Reese were to ditch his alma mater to become Saban's new OC and the leprechauns were left in shambles yet again. Yeah, um, I don't know if this says anything about the current state of the Notre Dame job, but the last head coach left to go to LSU, and maybe their offensive coordinator leaves to go to Bama. Like We could do a, an entire show on how the Notre Dame job is viewed, where it ranks in the top ten of the best jobs, but at least their last head coach thought, I need to get to the Southeast if I want to win a national championship to get around the best talent. Maybe Tommy Reese is thinking the same. I don't know. But clearly that job isn't what it was 40 years ago. 
I, it's not that I wish bad things upon Notre Dame. It's Uh-oh. that uh oh, it's that I don't necessarily hate to see them happening at this point. Yeah, has more to do with their fans than anybody I, uh... actually associated with the program. I love Marcus Freeman, always will. Great respect for him, but. The leprechauns and I have beef. I I grew up uh, not disliking. I'd say hating Notre Dame, much like every OU fan out there. Um, I I inherited the hate Notre Dame in college football gene for sure. So if you want to wish ill on the Notre Dame football program, I don't think that you're going to get too many hate texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line if that's how you want to go about it. Guy says, are we manufacturing dissent? Who actually doesn't like the Bethany kid? Have you, heard, have you heard a lot of bad things, people saying like that that was a bad take or something? Well, no, it's just generally people who are like, well, if we have a spot to give to an athlete, why didn't we have this spot four months ago when Malachi Coleman wanted to commit? Oh, okay, that take. Which, again, those people conveniently look past the nuances of recruiting and fail to understand that, A, hindsight is twenty twenty, and B, we know a lot of things now that we could not have known about Oklahoma's class and where it might end up and Oklahoma's roster and where the numbers might shake out uh, four months previously. By the way, Travis and I, uh, we did on a scale of 1 to 100 yesterday what you would grade this 2023 recruiting class. Since yesterday was National Signing Day, I I know we're past that, but I thought I'd ask you. I think he was at a 95 and I was somewhere around a 97. Scale of 1 to 100, where where would you put this class? What number would you put on it? I'll split the difference. 96. 96, yeah. It's hard for me to not go north of 95. And obviously I did with like a 97. Maybe I even said a 98. But it's their highest rate recruiting class ever since they've been tracking recruiting classes, uh, according to J.R. Sandlin. Like, I don't know how you can – yes, they have some misses, but like we said earlier, even Alabama, the number one class overall, like the third highest ranked class ever, even they had some misses. So I – I feel pretty good about my 97, 90, maybe it's a 90, I think it was a 98. I feel even better about that now that I see it's the highest rate recruiting class OU's ever had. All right, keep those texts coming. More recruiting to get to next. Keep it locked on the ref. Some quick college football news and notes. Kirk Ferentz is saying, yeah, I'm not making any staff changes, which... Probably doesn't excite every single Iowa Hawkeye fan out there because that means his son, Brian Ferentz, is staying the offensive coordinator. I have not heard from Iowa fans this afternoon, but I'm going to guess they're not too happy, Parker. He's not making any staff changes? That's what he said. Including an offensive coordinator. I, I guess we're to the point with Kirk Ferentz in Iowa where like, he legitimately can just do whatever he wants and people realize they can't touch him. Because he's got a stranglehold on that university and that entire family. It's much like Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. But my gosh, man. <laughs> it was bad last year. It was awful last year. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And if it's similarly bad, and I, I, I find it hard to imagine it will be similarly bad with Cade McNamara taking the snaps. But if it's that bad next year... Then you got to figure Brian Ferentz will be out the door, and if Kirk is unwilling to fire his kid, that may be where the seams start to break apart between him and the Iowa yeah. administration. Uh, most outlets are saying Colorado was a winner in yesterday's National Signing Day. Dion on CU's class, quote, hope is in the house. So, Dion thinks that he's upgraded the roster from when he first got there. 
And I would well, probably I'd hope agree so, with them. They went one and eleven. <laughs> yeah. So he should. The, the bar was least. on the floor. The bar was definitely on the floor. Uh, let's see. Camo Sooner says, "What would you rate OSU's class? Ooh, on a scale of one to one hundred, zero four stars. And what did they finish? Like seventh, eighth in the Big Twelve tenth this year. In tenth the in the Big Twelve. Yep. Um, I'm gonna give it about a twenty-five. Probably. Is that is that too harsh? Twenty-five out of out of one hundred possible points. I, that is too harsh. Yes, I, I would put them at around a sixty, sixty-five. Sixty, sixty-five. Dang, yeah, finishing tenth like, in the league. Well, I, I mean, look, look, this is kind of the norm for Oklahoma State. Like, if you pay attention to their recruiting rankings in years past, they didn't outperform their twenty twenty-three cycle by all that much historically. They don't recruit according to convention. They do their own evals. They go out of the way. They find guys that fly under the radar, three stars, two stars, heck, even zero stars, i.e. Malcolm Rodriguez, right? And those are the guys that they build a program around, build an identity around, and it's worked for them. So I'm not going to sit here and tell Mike Gunny, well, your your recruiting class sucks because I could have done that every year. I just thought they would do a little bit better of a job capitalizing off what Mike Gundy referred to as the biggest win in OSU history with the Fiesta Bowl win. But obviously that did not happen. OU versus Bama, and we play out of our minds. Uh, two, tw- uh, 2014 college football season, 2023 NCAA men's basketball. Coincidence? I think it is, actually. Basically saying good things haven't happened. Uh, what's immediately followed OU overperforming and beating Alabama uh, in something. Mm. Well, in those two instances, yeah, the, the 14 season was not great, and obviously last night was not great. In my head. But you did get Joe Mixon immediately following the, the big win over Alabama in recruiting. That is true. Like two days later. And fortunately, the guy that orchestrated Clemson's demolition of Oklahoma in the Russell Athletic Bowl is now your head coach. So it all worked out. It came full circle in the end. Uh, we have a Iowa fan in Norman. I, I did not think that we would have that. I'm trying to find it again. Uh, I just I just lost it. Basically saying I'm I'm an Iowa fan and Norman, and it's not surprising whatsoever that uh, they are keeping uh, Brian Ferentz around. Iowa fan and alum here, Dave from Norman. Not surprised by this at all. It's laughable. Here here's the thing: if I'm Iowa, if I'm the Iowa administration, a I never let Kirk Ferentz hire his own kid as offensive coordinator, just because like there there are way too many ways You're that that for trouble. Go wrong. Yes, you're asking for trouble. There are far more ways that that can crumble than ways that that can pay off big time in the long run. But, like, at what point as an administration do you come to the conclusion that, hey, you know what? We have a really good defensive program under Kirk Ferentz and have for 20 years. Why don't we go take a swing at a mid-tier offensive coordinator? He doesn't even have to be an elite guy. Just a mid-tier offensive coordinator across the country, a la Tommy Reese. Yeah. Let's go try and hire Tommy Reese. Let's offer $2 bucks to Tommy Reese to come be our OC and see where that takes us. Or just get Bobby Petrino and uh, have all the bad PR that you can ask for. Ugh. The people of Iowa would run Bobby Petrino off with pitchforks. <laughs> OSU should be the new powerhouse of the Big 12, but that seems far away, says the texture in the 5-1-2. Uh, I mean, look, their, their past decade, it's been, you know, their their most consistent, their best decade in school history. Like, going back to 2011 anyway, so I guess decade plus. 
I, I don't know. Like recruiting wise, I think UCF's in, in a better situation than Oklahoma State. And I think you can look at TCU as in a better recruiting shape. Like could could Oklahoma State could they run the new Big Twelve? Absolutely. I think that they're in that mix of teams that can be can, can do that. But I don't know. I, I'm kinda I'm kinda bullish on UCF and what they might be able to do the next day. Do years. not look past Baylor either. True. It, I know they're not as sexy. As Dave Aranda sticks ago, around, but man. as if Dave Aranda is there in the long term, and I have reason to believe he is, then that's a program that I can see picking up some steam. Iowa should run the triple option on offense, probably would throw for more yards a game that way. Says Peyton. <laughs> probably not far from the truth. <laughs> you definitely probably score uh, more points. Uh, recruiting is a long game. Give some of these in-state kids like Heim opportunities now. And three or four years down the road, when there's a really good four- or five-star in-state kid and you develop good relationships and goodwill with other in-state kids, he might stay home. Correct. It does seem like uh, OU is out, especially Brent Venable, to, I don't know if repair is the right word. Um, Let's use strengthen. Strengthen the relationships between OU and some of these high school programs across the state. And again, you have to, because if you don't own your own state, you're not going to own any other state. And you have to have an identity as a program. You have to have a strong culture. And I think that starts with homegrown kids. And a lot of those kids may be kids that never see the field, at least in a meaningful capacity. But the kids that are going to work their tails off, make those around them better because they're consistently pushing them and challenging them. And so you have to have strong in-state representation on your roster, regardless of whether they're scholarship guys or PWOs. At a place like Oklahoma, you got to have a lot of Oklahoma kids on your roster one way or another for the good of your program. Oki Drinkslinger, love that. Text in, I think Gerald McCoy and Damian Mackey should team up and recruit for the Sooners. No one could say no to those guys. That's Hey, there is your next recruiting idea, is that they're not affiliated with the program, Parker, but you get some former players who have NFL money and a lot of time on their hands to like form up together of like a team where they go out and recruit for you, having to use their own money, but they're not affiliated with the program. Is that like illegal in any way? If they're not affiliated with the program, oh but they're gosh, using Tyler. their own money and oh doing it gosh. that way? There's going to be some sort of, oh uh, man, oh man. I can already see some sort of NIL loophole that's going to get exploited to make something like that a reality. You can't, there's no uh, limit on visits. On in-home visits or how many times they can yeah. see him in person. There's no and dead period. external recruiting department. There's no dead period if you're not associated. I'm sure someone's already thought about that. But, I mean, Gerald McCoy wants to help out. So, if he wants to help out, I think that he can absolutely help out. Oh, man. I, the, 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 every, with every day that passes, I'm just, I'm just like more and more I come to the realization that NIL might have been a mistake. <laughs> You're just now coming to that conclusion? No, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm just now coming to that conclusion. I came to that conclusion long, long ago, but every single day it feels like I become more aware of a new facet of all of it, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, these people had no idea what they were signing up for. Yeah. Well, while you're uh, doom and gloom about that, I'm doom and gloom about more rumors that we have to dress every single day because once we got past the Jeff Levy one, I was like, yes! Woo! All right. We don't have to address this every single day. Been telling people for three consecutive weeks at least that it's not going to happen. Finally, we're past that. You know what it is now? What, you know is what we it have now? to address now? Hey, what's going on with the Bronco Mendenhall going to be the next defensive coordinator? What, what, why is this still a thing? Where did that, where did that come from? 
Do, do you know where that came from or where, where that originated? I know where it originated. I'm not going to say it because people will interpret it as a dig or a diss. And I don't want to start beef, even if only inadvertently. But, yes, I know where it originated. <laughs> okay. Would you say this? If people knew the source of where it was originated, they would immediately say, oh, yeah, yeah, that has not. Yeah, 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 that's not going to happen. No, that's where it came from. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen now. I think there would be a lot of that sentiment, yeah. yes. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, an interesting study by The Athletic. Top 50 quarterbacks from 2017 to 2020. A shocking, and I mean shocking number of those players did not finish their collegiate career at the school they started. Mm-hmm. What was the percentage? We'll tell you coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, final segment locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Sugar Shane says, I just posted on OU Insider that Bronco Mendenhall was seen at the classic 50s on Lindsay. Let's see if I can stir up anyone. Uh, well, that's a good you know what? landmark to say that a coach was that. No, that's, that is fantastic, Shane. And at least I know that it's tongue-in-cheek. Thank you for giving me that disclosure. So that way I can I can know that the inevitable meltdown that's coming on my message board uh, is all going to be for naught in the end. You all know Teddy started the Bronco rumor solely because of the name of his kids. That's from Chapstick. Yeah, I read off uh, Bronco Mendenhall's the name of his kids. Um, I forgot exactly what they were, but they were um, – well, I mean, if your name is Bronco, you can't name your kids like, you know, Alex or Josh or anything like that, right? His kids' names are Cutter, Breaker, and Raider. <laughs> what? Cutter? Like those are their no, Breaker no, and Raider. Yeah, 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 I heard you. But like those are their given names? Yeah. Like on their birth certificates, it says Cutter Mendenhall, Breaker Ra- Mendenhall, Raider Mendenhall. Well, that's what it says on uh, Wikipedia. So obviously that's what it says on their birth certificate as well. Yeah. That, uh, no, I, uh, why? Why Why do people make up names, Tyler? Breaker. Cutter? Raider? Yeah. Like, those know. are words. They are not names. If you had to pick one, give I guess your, Raider is what I would pick. Give I guess. your kid a name. Give your kid a human name, not like a boat name. He's trying too hard for them to be football guys, I guess. He's really trying for them to be football you guys. You will yeah. be a linebacker with yeah. the name Breaker. You will be. No choice. Have no idea if those kids play football or not. Have no clue. Let's hope so because, I, for instance, uh, my dad, when he was in high school, backed up a guy that ended up going to play quarterback at Iowa State and later in the NFL. And later in life he had a kid and named him Blaze. B-L-A-Z-E, Blaze. Like, well, if, you're, if your name is Blaze and you're not athletic – like, what do you have going for you? At well, that uh, you might be a uh, other type of blaze if you're not an athlete, if you know what I mean. Exactly. You may have to resort to that exactly. to live up you to may, your name. You may have to move out to Colorado. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, the kid ended up being pretty good at football, and he went to Iowa State as well. So uh, I, I teased it going into the break, but the Athletic did a cool little study. Top five quarterbacks in each recruiting class from 2017 to 2020. So you start off with 200 quarterbacks, but they took out – 22 
of those quarterbacks that moved to other positions. Roshan Johnson at Texas was one of those. They took out another 10 that retired from football while they were on campus. So that leaves us with 168 top 50 quarterbacks from 2017 to 2020. Um, Out of that 168, guys that didn't start one game in their first two years, 87% ended up transferring before the end of their career. And just overall, 126 out of the 168 transferred. 75% of the top 50 quarterbacks in that four-year time frame didn't end with the same school that they signed with on signing day. God, Which that's nuts, man. astonishing. And, I look, I'll be honest, and there are those that are going to disagree, that's one thing that I don't think is good for the game. In college football. Yeah. When you have guys changing uniforms and guys that are continually getting impatient for their opportunity, it doesn't create a holistic environment for the student-athlete. It makes life a lot more difficult for these coaches. It's why you heard and continually hear guys like Kirby Smart and Mike Gundy professing how much more difficult it is to manage a roster in this era of college football that we are entering and to some extent that we're already in. Well, think about it. Like, when's the who's the last quarterback that signed with OU, a scholarship guy, and finished his career with OU? Like, seriously, who is it? Scholarship guy signed with OU on signing day at a high school and ended his career here. Trevor Knight, like you, you can't even go like there because he played at A and M his last year. Am I just missing something, someone obvious, or has it been a long time since that's happened? No, it has. Cody Thomas? It might be Cody Thomas. Well, I mean, but he left early for the Major League Baseball draft. Okay, but, yeah. I mean, I, dude, that's, that's crazy. Surely it's not Landry Jones. Surely it's not Landry Jones. Okay, is it Landry Jones? Fascinating. <laughs> I'm about to research as soon as we're off the air. All right, yeah, text me, let me know who it is. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.